0: So John 18, 28-38. Then the Jews led Jesus from Caiaphas Caiaphas, to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness the Jews did not enter the palace. They wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came up to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? If he were a criminal, if he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have brought him over to you. Pilate said, Take him yourselves and, and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone. The Jews objected. This happened so that the words Jesus had spoken, indicating the kind of death he was going to die, be fulfilled. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Now let me pause here. The very next verse is a verse that very few of us have taken notice of, I believe. It's in red. If you have a Bible in which all the words of Jesus are printed in red ink, your next verse would be printed in red ink. Verse 34. Is that your own idea? Jesus asked. Or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied. It was your people and your chief priests who handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But but now my kingdom is, is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, You are right in saying I am a king. In fact, for this reason, I was born. And for this, I came into the world to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? Pilate asked. With this, he went out again to the Jews and said, I find no basis for a charge against him this is the word of god may he be praised let's ask god to help us understand this text in front of us shall we lord you are the world's greatest teacher Teach us, we pray this day. We have no understanding of our own. We have only as much understanding as you grant to us. So Lord, humbly we come with our hands opened and say, Lord, give us bread. You tell us that your word is the bread of life, that he or she who eats of this bread will never hunger again. And we hold out our hands, too, for for water. Because you tell us that you are the living water and that he or she who drinks of you will never thirst again. So, Lord, teach us, feed us, we pray. Grant us understanding, we pray. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been going through the period of the Advent and uh, I promised you a couple of weeks ago that during this period of the Advent I would like for the entire church to ask one question and that is this, why did Jesus come? And I promised you that virtually every single week of those four weeks the answer has got to be from the Bible, clearly from the Bible. And I told you I remember that there are at least six reasons in the Bible for why Jesus came on earth, but we have time for four, and even that we just had time for three, you remember that. Okay, let's give you a test. Open book exam. What's the first reason for why Jesus came? Do you remember? Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. What's the second reason that we explored last Sunday? Yes, Richard. Yes, you you can say it. Say the word ransom, Richard. Yes. Good on you, Richard. He came to give his life as a ransom to many. And today we want to explore the third reason for why Jesus has come to earth. And this was the story that I've just read. He's in the Praetorium. The Praetorium is a place where the Roman officials conduct their administrative and juridical businesses. And Jesus was brought there. After he'd seen Caiaphas, he's just now brought Pilate. And Pilate looked at him up and down for a while, this peasant of a man, and said, Are you the king of the Jews? And he's replied to Pilate, very interesting, which I ask you to take notice of. So you are king of the Jews, aren't you? He says. Jesus says, you say that I am, and for this reason I was born. And for this I came to earth, that I may, what? Bear witness to the truth. This is clearly the reason spit out in scripture, so clear. I came to this earth to bear witness to the truth. Now it is intriguing, it is really intriguing the more you think about it, that this very statement that he came to this earth to bear witness to the truth should have been spoken at his birth, when the fulfillment of which will come only at the end of his life. So but these are Christmas words I have come so that I may bear witness. To the truth. Did you know that this is the very reason why you put your turkey in the oven to roast for Christmas? This is the reason why we roast our turkey. That he has come to bear witness to the truth. It sounds odd when you put it this way. But this is the reason why we write our Christmas cards. This is the reason why you're throwing all those parties and you're buying all those balloons and buntings and whatever. This is the reason you trim your Christmas trees. The reason that he has come to bear witness to the truth. Now there is something in verse 37 that I pointed you out to. He says, for this reason I was born, for this cause I came to the earth. You know something? You and I were born, aren't we? You and I were born into this world, and the day of our birth was the day of our first existence on this earth. Would I not be right? But for Jesus, that day that he was born it wasn't the day of it wasn't the first day of his existence he existed before that how did how do we know he says for this reason i came into the world if he had come into the world he must have come from somewhere you and i don't say i come into this world on the day of your birth you don't look back and say i came into the world on September the 4th, 1967. Now, you may use that as a motiv- metaphorical language, and sometimes we do that. We say we came into the earth, we came into this world on such and such a date. But this is not metaphorical because there are other abundant verses which tell us that Jesus existed before he came to earth. Remember John 17 Father, glorify me with the glory that I had with you. Before this world began. It's a fantastic verse, really, John 17:5. Father, glorify me with the glory that I had with you before the world began. Before the world even came into existence, before this entire cosmos even came into shape in the matter of matter and time and energy, Jesus already shared glory with the Father. If you're not comfortable with that there are other verses John 17 24 father give me the glory that I had with you he says it again that, I, that they may see my glory in fact 700 years before this little baby was born in the manger the prophet Micah already affirmed that this baby will be someone who had a pre-existing birth and this is what Micah said Micah said but you Bethlehem Though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will rule over Israel, whose origin is from old, from ancient of days. Micah 5.2 So this baby that's born in Bethlehem, is at least, where the prophecy is concerned, 700 years old have you ever heard of a 700-year-old baby? You haven't. This, this this, is him. It's a very old baby. Remember on one occasion when the Jews were infuriated with him, he said, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And the Jew says, you're not even 50 years old and you have seen Abraham. What was his reply? Before Abraham was I am. Remember, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was where? With God. In the beginning, even before any matter came into existence, He was there. He was with God. So this little baby that's born in that dingy, dirty old manger pre-existed before anything came into existence. But let's explore the reason for why He has come. He has come to bear witness to the truth. I, 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 it's easy to say this sheepishly because we live in a postmodern world and here you are saying a thing so insulting as the fact that he's come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Who ever talked like that anymore this day? You can't, Well, we are going to talk like that because it's in the Word of God. If you have caught the climate of the day, you will know that this is strange talk. If you say to the average person on the streets today that Jesus came to bear witness to the truth, you'll be abuses. You'll be considered dangerous. You'll be seen as someone who has an agenda, because this whole truth question is is is, is absurd today. Very few people anymore believe that there is such a thing as truth. And yet if there is no such thing as truth, why would Jesus say, I have come to the world to bear witness to the truth? For him to bear witness to the truth, there must be such a thing as truth to be born witness for. You know something, there was a time where nobody needed to be persuaded, you you didn't have to attend philosophy 101 to understand that there are things that are truthful, simply truthful, because it corresponds with reality. It's as simple as that. Uh, Well, for me to say, there is a wooden cross on my right hand. That statement, there is a wooden cross on my right hand, is truthful because it corresponds with reality. The thing is this, 50 years ago, 70 years ago, nobody needed to attend a class in philosophy 101 to have heard of the corresponding theory of truth. You don't need to hear that. You don't even need to know that. You just know that if a thing is true, it is evidentially true. So for me to say there is a cat, there is a black cat on my left, well, I can say that, for all I like, but upon examination, if I find no black cat here, then that statement does not correspond with reality. So that statement is simply a fallacious statement. But the joke is this the big, huge joke is this. And, and we need to expose the emperor that he has no clothes on. We need to. The postmodern world needs to be exposed very badly. And you and I, you and I need to sharpen our, 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 our mental ability in order that we may lay down flatly simple arguments for the fact that there is such a thing as objective truth and it can be known by human people. You know, for centuries nobody argued against that, nobody questioned that. It is simply assumed to be true. But in the last century or so, a strange madness has infected this world. And today, in a very tragic way, This commonsensical view of truth has been largely challenged and largely rejected. And today, people hold the view that truth is relative. Now, they will tell you that for a statement to be true, it does not need to correspond with reality. You just need to believe in all your heart that it is true, and it will be true for you. This is why people left and right tell us, something may be true for you, that's good. Go on believing that. You have your truth. I have my truth. So the world has come to such a place where truth isn't something objective. It is hugely subjective. And so you hear people say that. This is strange teaching. This really is strange teaching. When you think of the full implication of this, you will go stark staring mad. John Warwick Montgomery, tells a humorous story uh, to illustrate how strange this whole problem is. He says, there was once an inmate, there was once an inmate in a mental asylum, uh, who, when he was asked who he was, and uh, with his left hand tucked under his shirt, he says, I'm Napoleon Bonaparte, to which that man asked, who told you? He instinctively answers, God told me, to which another inmate says, no, I didn't. (laughs) You know, you don't have to walk into a mental asylum to know that we consider someone insane when what they affirm does not correspond with reality. And there are heaps of people out there, even now as I stand here talking. There is a woman out there right now, even as I talk, who really believes that she is the wife of Bob Dylan. And nothing that you would say would dissuade her otherwise. And there is another guy out there in Philadelphia right now as I speak who believes that he is Mahatma Gandhi. You know, in every one of those cases, these people need serious help. They need serious help. They are not well. And yet today when you say that there is such a thing as truth and there is such a thing as falsehood, you're called a bigot, a close-minded freak, a fanatic and dangerous. So it has come to this. That entire table has turned around completely. See, when the Bible says that Jesus came into this world to bear witness to the truth, what is implied here is that truth can be known. Otherwise, he wouldn't have come to bear witness to the truth. If the Bible says he's come to bear witness to the truth, it must be that truth is knowable. And for me, the best person who has made this the clearest to me is Harry Blomias in his book, which I love so much, The Christian Mind. Blomias turned 96 last month. Uh, He was born in November 6th. 1916, and his book, The Christian Mind, remains a classic to this day. This is what he says, and I quote, ours, ours is an age in which conclusions are arrived at by distributing questionnaires to a cross-section of the population, or by holding a microphone before the lips of casually selected bypassers in the street. In the sphere of religious and moral thinking, we are rapidly hating for a state of intellectual anarchy in which the difference between truth and falsehood will no longer be recognized. Indeed, it would seem possible that the, word, that the words true and false will eventually be replaced by the words likable or dislikable. And then he drops this bombshell that I like so much. Truth is objective not subjective. Truth is a revelation, not a construction. Truth is discovered by inquiry, not elected by majority vote. Truth is authoritative, not a matter of personal choice. Now this is the sort of truth that Jesus has come to bear witness. It is objective. It is a revelation. It can be discovered by inquiry. And it has God's stamp of authority on it. So it is ultimately the truth of God. The truth about God. Our God is a God of truth. Did you know that all three persons in the Trinity have the word truth attached to it? God is called the Father. God the Father is called the God of truth. God the Son says, I am the truth. And God the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of truth. And in fact, the Word of God, John says, Thy Word is truth. And they're all, here, they're all here to reveal the truth to us. If the Bible is not about truth, it's not about anything at all. It reveals a God who taught us that truth is very embodied in His very person. Now, you and I need to know that this battle for truth is a spiritual battle. It is ultimately not an intellectual battle Ultimately it is not an intellectual battle Ultimately it is a spiritual battle And it should not surprise us It should not surprise you That as we approach the end of the age The battle that is fought so fiercely Is a battle for truth I want to say that again The battle for truth Is not an intellectual battle Ultimately it is a spiritual battle and it should not surprise us that as the world grinds to the end, the battle that is fought so fiercely should be a battle for the truth. The Bible itself predicts this. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 10 to 12. The Bible predicts that in the last days, Satan is going to use every kind of evil deception to fool those on their way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept the truth truth that would save them. I'll read that again. Second Thessalonians two, ten to twelve. The Bible predicts that in the last days Satan is going to use every kind of deception to fool those who are on their way to destruction because they refuse to love and accept the truth. And Jesus describes for us who the devil is. He's a murderer from the beginning not holding to the truth for there is no truth in him and the bible says whenever the bible whenever the devil speaks a lie he speaks his native tongue jesus is very perceptive there when he tells us that when he tells us that whenever the devil lies he speaks his native tongue because he's a liar from the beginning john 8:44 but christians you and I need not despair. God tells us that we have the sure Word of God and anchor that stabilizes us in a world of flux. For me personally, what comforts me greatly is to know that at least there is one who always consistently speaks the truth. That for me has great comfort. It doesn't matter if everyone around me lies just to know that there is one who consistently speaks the truth. Now, this is where I need to warn you and I, because remember I pointed you out to verse 37, everyone who has the truth hears my voice. And Jesus turns to Pilate and Jesus says, are you saying this of your own accord? Or are you just regurgitating the question that other people are asking? Remember this? Jesus is standing in front of Pilate and Jesus is asking Pilate is asking Jesus, Are you the King of the Jews? And instead of asking instead of answering his question, Jesus turns around and says to Pilate, Is this really your own question? Or are you simply regurgitating the questions that other people are asking? Now why is this important? Because we could be asking an academic question and heaps of people in Messi are asking academic questions they're really not interested and those questions will come to the ears of Jesus as mere words he's not going to waste his time answering those questions he knows a true seeker when he sees one he knows if you're asking those questions from the depth of your heart because the person who really asks those questions from the depth of his heart will hear his voice because they are his sheep remember in john jesus says my sheep hears my voice if you are his the truth will resonate with you it resonates in your heart in your head in your entire being you know the truth you see the truth you will willingly bow before the truth But if you are just coming to Him and asking all those academic intellectual questions, then He'll say the same thing to you as He did to Pilate. Are you asking this from your own heart, or are you you just regurgitating the questions other people are asking? So there might be one or two here this afternoon. I do not know you, all of you, but there might be one or two of you here this afternoon, and you are asking this question, but you are not asking it from here you're not searching, you're not hungry you're not thirsty, you're just asking an intellectual question now please don't get me wrong, there is a place to ask intellectual questions and and truth is never afraid of scrutiny but there comes a time when the question must be asked from here Lord are you for real? did you know that the British singer Cliff Richard came to Christ finally when he asked that last question a vicar a vicar in his church told him Cliff if you are really keen pray this prayer tonight and that is simply this Lord if you are real please show yourself to me which was what he did and he did it from here and Cliff Richard came to the Lord except you know could repented of his sins and held on to the Lord as his savior we need to be warned all of us that there is a big difference between truth and falsehood and the difference between truth and falsehood is as stark as the difference between day and night black and white and therefore in or out and therefore ultimately it's a difference between being saved and being lost the bible tells us that in the last days many will turn their ears away from the truth second timothy 4 for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, and they will turn away from listening to the truth, and wander off into myths. This is a prophecy that has fast come true. Most people today have turned away from the truth, and wander off into myths. And this is the spirit of the age. So let me urge you this morning, don't be like Pilate. Don't ask, what is truth, in a cynical way, and don't stay back for an answer. You know that, eh? When you read your scriptures, you know very clearly that when Pilate asked, what is truth, he immediately turned away. Didn't wait for an answer. Wasn't interested in an answer. In fact, it wasn't a question when he says, what is truth. It's probably a cynical expression. Don't be like Pilate. Now, if this much is at stake, if life or death is at stake, then you need to see Jesus' words as true. But you know something? Knowing that Jesus is the truth certainly will reward you when you go on into into the next life. Okay? We all know that. We all know that embracing Jesus as the truth will reward us in the life to come. But you know something? Knowing Jesus to be true can also reward you while you're walking on this earth. Let me explain how it can happen. It is this. Some of you, I know, you work in situations where there are manipulative people around you. I don't want to ask ask for a show of hands to embarrass you. But just just take this question in, alright? How many of you sitting there are working in a situation right now where there are manipulative people around you. They manipulate the boss. They manipulate you. It's all so that they can get up a few notches above you. We all do. We all work in places where people are manipulative. Knowing the truth will not only benefit you in the world to come, knowing the truth actually benefits you here and now. Let me give you an illustration. It is an illustration I've used before, but it serves this context very well. So I'm going to use it again. It was Os Guinness who helped me to see this. The way Os Guinness describes Pablo Picasso, the Spanish painter, is just brilliant, the way he describes Pablo. He's a genius of an artist, but he's a monster of a man where relationships are concerned. Picasso's great friend and sculptor, Alberto Giacometti, called him a monster. He devoured his friends. He devoured especially women, mistresses and others. In fact, he called called himself the Minotaur. A Minotaur is a mythic Cretan monster who devoured maidens. And one of his mistresses, Marie Therese, used to say he would rape us. He would rape us and then paint. Now he himself said, when I die, and he died in 1973 at the age of 91. And that's a long time before James Cameron came up with his movie, Titanic. But long before James Cameron came up with his movie, Titanic, Picasso already said this, that when I die, then, like a ship going down, I will take others with me. And true enough, soon after his death, three of those who were closest to him committed suicide, one after another. You see, without this devouring consumer person around them, who was at the center of their lives, in such a powerful way, they just couldn't go on living. These were needy people. They needed someone around them to devour them, to control them, to give them some semblance of meaning in life, in order that they might live. But now with this guy gone, one after another, they took their own lives. But if you know his story, only one person was able to stand stout, like an oak, right to the end. François Gilot. François Giro Gillot, one of his mistresses, who was 40 years younger than Picasso, and she would always say this, she would, al- she would always say this, she, w- she would always say, I would have to go to Pablo every single day, like Joan of Arc, wearing the armor of truth. Without truth, you cannot stand your ground against manipulative people. They may be found in your family. They may be found in your office. They may be found in your place of work. But if you're always, always truthful, all the time truthful, never once telling a shady lie just to get off, you will stay stout against even a creature like Pablo. He will have no chance against you. And you know something? Some of you have 40 years more to go before you are put in a casket some of us who are older perhaps have less some of you have 60 more years 70 more years some of you are very young here but there will come there will come a time when you will be called home until that time the devil has got thousands and thousands of chances to get at you and all the time he's trying to get at you and you know what there is a name for the devil that is found in the bible he's called the accuser the accuser he comes and he accuses you but always he accuses you based on something that has a shade of reality in your life something that you prefer no one else to know you tuck that away in your closet you lock it up you throw the keys away nobody knows that only three people know that you know that the devil knows that and God knows that the thing with the devil is this he comes to you he taps you on your shoulder and you look around and it's him and what does he say? He always says the same thing. You're such a phony, aren't you? You're such a phony. Call yourself a Christian. Look at what you did. I saw that. I saw what you did. I saw what you watched last night. I saw what you touched. And you know something? Billy Graham, Billy Graham says, the bulk of the ministers, church ministers, church pastors, the bulk of the church pastors who gave up, Gave up because he's constantly on their back telling them, You're such a phony, aren't you? On Sunday, you stand up there and speak all those words, but look what you do. Look what you've done. Very few people can live in the light of Satan's continual assault on their hearts and on their minds. And this is why Madame Therese was able to stand stout like an oak towards the end with even such a manipulative person as Pablo because she always is truthful always speaks the truth always lives the truth so yes the day will come when we will be rewarded in heaven for knowing the truth but until then some of you have sixty more years to go some of you twenty more years until then you will always be on the constant assault of the enemy. The only way to stand stout and stay strong for God is to be truthful in your speech, truthful in your heart, truthful to your husband, to your wife, to your children, always truthful. Hardest of all, perhaps, truthful to your boss. But you need to be absolutely truthful. And then you will have the chance to walk on this earth victoriously. So yes, he has come to this earth to bear witness to the truth. the truth and the truth is that jesus is god and that would be our reward in heaven but until then knowing jesus to be the truth must result in us living truthful lives holy lives clean lives shall we pray lord we thank you thank you that you are the way the truth and the life and you've given us hope You have given us a meaning. You have given us a purpose to live for. Lord, it was by your grace that you brought us to you. And we bless you that you have brought us to know you. And now we have the hope of life. And we bless you. But Father, until we see you face to face, we have this battle to fight. But we thank you that we can be truthful by your grace, by your strength. And so we bless you on this Christmas season for every reminder for why your Son has come to earth. You come to destroy the works of the devil. And you come, Father, to this earth to give your life a ransom to many. And you come to bear witness to the truth. And we bless you. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.